1: you guys have become maybe kind of more media darlings, a lot more hype, you know, Super Bowl talk. How do you kind of handle that change, you know, more of a spotlight on the Vikings now? I live such an insulated life that I have no idea that that's going on. I understand that's that's your world. That's what that's what you do. That's what you know. To me, this feels the same right here as it does every week. The team meeting felt the same. Lunch felt the same. Walkthrough feels the same. So... You know, I go to my house, I play with my kids, I come back here, I grind, and it's really boring back and forth. And uh, no matter what's going on on the outside, you just kind of keep putting in the work. And after these many years of playing, you know, I guess this is year eight starting week after week, you have your routine, you have your process, and you just don't deviate. When you lose, you don't deviate. When you win, you don't deviate. You just sort of methodically go about your process week in and week out, and that's what I'll keep doing.
0: Just like Clark Kent when he's not Superman. When Kirk Cousins isn't Kirko Chains. he's just a boring, mild-mannered guy who goes to work, goes home, goes to work, goes home, and waits for the opportunity to go off. Well, like,
1: uh, it, I, I like that, but I don't love all of it. Like, I, I don't love all of that. Like, I love the— it, Well— I know you got to be focused on what you do and you want to, like, you know, block out the noise to a degree, but the noise is what has to be listened to to a degree as a quarterback because the noise is a lot of the times a little bit of the reality of the situation, you know, and that's where, yeah, the media, the players in your locker room, they're also – they're not as insulated as you, Kirk, where they're they're involved in that noise and they hear it and all that. So that's where, to me, like a great quarterback – uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, uh, Mahomes, J- we heard Jalen Hurts a few weeks ago do it, where they hear this, t- and then they make the messages to the team the right way about let's not fall in this trap, let's give this respect. Jalen Hurts said, hey, I want to bring up the Cardinals, you know, they're a good team, blah, 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 because he understood that everybody's just talking about us, oh, that's all it is. Everywhere I go in Philadelphia, and we got a game against Arizona this week, our team's hearing the same thing. So let me remind the team in front of the microphone here that we're playing the Arizona this week and we're not the greatest thing since life's spread, right? And that, to me, is a quarterback's job a little bit. So I understand insulation. I respect that. But I also always felt like it was their job to kind of like, hey, guys, everybody thinks we stink. We're going to screw them over and show them. Or, hey, guys, we're the greatest things ever. Hey, we got to get back and make sure we go to work here and do the right things. You got you to gotta do that, in my opinion, as a quarterback here.
0: Well... This gets back to one of the things I always point out. They act like they don't hear it but I know. Really he hear hears it.
1: enough, right.
0: So so I know what I don't he know. says at that podium may be different than what he's saying in the locker room or Could be. he just relies upon others. Look, somebody is providing the appropriate leadership in that locker room, yep. whether it's him or or whether it's someone else. Somebody is getting those guys focused and getting those guys in the mindset where they believe. When they get up against it in the fourth quarter, they believe somebody is going to rise up and make a play. There's a level of determination that comes through. I've seen it in Dalvin Cook. I've seen it in Patrick Peterson. And that just stands out because they're around the football. I'm sure that there are others who are stepping up. I mean, Justin Jefferson, for God's sake, it's a given that he steps up in big moments. But I think that... And this is the big challenge. Look, th- hey, what what happened to the Vikings after the Minneapolis Miracle game? They got the crap kicked out of them the following right. week 38 to 7 by the Philadelphia Eagles. It is difficult to come back from an emotional game like that, a big game like that where you're you're euphoric and exhausted. And it's very hard to pivot and focus on the next one. So, Whether it's Cousins, whether it's Kevin O'Connell, whether it's someone else, whether it's other players, whether it's other coaches, whoever it may be, somebody had, the moment they got off that plane, to have a plan in place for turning the page onto the Cowboys. And I think it helps. You know, this would have been a hell of a time for the Vikings to step into a trap if it was the Lions coming to town this week if it was a bad team out there like the jaguars or the texans it was rolling in instead it's the cowboys yeah. who are favored i'm still astounded that the cowboys are favored in this game then again they're three and zero all time at u.s bank stadium <laughs> but they're one and a half point favorites but that makes it easier for whoever it is that's pressing the buttons on the players to get them to forget about what happened look they still don't respect you hey look guys after what we did in buffalo to the Bills, we're coming home against the Cowboys, who aren't the Bills, and they still think the Cowboys are going to beat us. Ain't that some shit? I mean, that's the kind. Sorry, that's the kind of stuff we're getting a little too loose with that. That's the kind of stuff that that is just put on a silver platter. Yeah. For whoever it is, it's getting everybody fired up for these games. Well,
1: yeah, ho- you know, hopefully, you're right. There's a lot of things there that should still be getting, you know, their attention. Uh, to your point, there and Dallas is really good and and they played a division rival of yours last week and you saw you're watching them on film and you're going, "Man, Green Bay beat them. We should be able to beat them." And you know, hey, they they should be able. You're right. Not it shouldn't be lack of focus or anything like that. But also to your point, I don't care what you do. That was a crazy emotional win. It's all everybody's talked about. It's all these players have had to hear about for the last 3 days. They are physically, mentally exhausted. So, now it's, yes, Kevin O'Connell, the Midas touch here. Hey, we're going to walk through. He's got to find the right way to, to uh, kind of manage the football team. And I'm, it's a great matchup. It really is. It, it's, it's very interesting. And, again, you know, I think Minnesota, where Dallas is going to have to reevaluate how they play a team like Minnesota, like your, your Vikings, they can't do what they did last week again. They can't do that. They can't go, we're going to load the box and then play man-to-man. And think that they're going to get away with not, you know, covering Justin Jefferson all game. That's just—it's impossible. That's not going to happen. He is uncoverable. You can't cover guys like him, Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, man-to-man all game long. And Dallas likes to do that, so they're going to have to find a new formula in how they want to defend that stuff. And Dallas's defensive line is very small, and they're going to have to load the box to stop you guys. So you certainly got an advantage that way as far as um, you know, some of the problems you can put onto that Cowboys defense.
0: Well, Justin Jefferson, by the way, limited with a toe injury on Wednesday. Now, I never know, saw a single thing that would suggest he was injured on Sunday, except when he pretended to pull a hamstring while doing the gritty after scoring a touchdown and actually fooled the announcers and us. I didn't know that was a thing, that it's like one of the TikTok variations of the gritty where you act like you injured your leg while you're doing it. That's what he did, and it, it uh, you know gave – Gave some a scare, but ultimately he was fine start to finish, and I I suspect he'll be fine come Sunday. And it is going to be a dilemma for the Cowboys because they showed they couldn't stop the run on Sunday, and you've got Dalvin Cook who can get it done. You've got Alexander Madison who can get it done, and then if they do overload the box, they're susceptible to Kirk Cousins finding, whether it's Jefferson, Adam Thielen, T.J. Hawkinson, who quietly had a very good game in Buffalo in his second effort with the Vikings. It's not going to be easy for the Cowboys. And I think they almost need to get into a shootout if they want to win this one, and that becomes the next question. Can they solve the Vikings' defense? Can they, can they gain enough yards on the ground through the air? Because, the, hey, the Vikings' defense... You, you you made this point. You just watch everything but the scoring plays on Sunday, and it was. Up it and was down Aunt the field. Butter.
1: Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> right. It was, right.
0: That's why, you know, when, when when Dalvin Cook broke off the 81 yard touchdown run and made it 27 17 late in the third quarter, my reaction was it doesn't matter. You can't stop these guys. You cannot stop them. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, they did, but. The, you the the two interceptions happened in the red zone. Yeah, the, after the Bills drove all the way down. I mean, they're going to move the ball. The Cowboys are against the Vikings, and and I think that's where the Cowboys have to take solace. We're not going to be able to shut down the Vikings' offense. Our goal today has to be to score more points than they score.
1: Yeah, I I I, I hear you, and that's where you know again, Minnesota, even though defense yards not great. A little bit like, you know, those teams of New England we've seen where, yeah, okay, they might let you move the football down the field, but they don't necessarily score touchdowns, right? I mean, it's one of the better scoring defenses in football. That's where they've been good. And that certainly is, you know, one thing. But yeah, Mike, I mean, a little thing with Minnesota is, you know, a little plain and simple until, you know they have to be a little aggressive, then they do it. And then to me, that's where the game changed last week. And it's a little bit even like the Philadelphia game early in the year where it was like, wait, we're going to be sound and we're just going to play simple and take the big play away. And okay, but they're going up and down the field on you. And then in the second half, they come out and they blitz and they were a little more creative and they forced the issue a little bit. You know, to me, I'd like to see them play that way a little bit instead of so kind of conservative and very simple and predictable to where, yeah, I could see a team like Dallas moving the ball up and down the field. on them if they do that. And, and Dallas, of course, the way they're running the football, that's going to pose some problems for, for your defense as well. To where, you know, now you're going to have to put guys in some, some uncomfortable positions, maybe playing some man-to-man and all that. It's a, this, is a, this is another game, like we talk about the game tonight, where, you know, I, yeah, I look at it as this coin flip. It's one of those that I've gone back and forth here, and I think I've come to my determination of who I'm going to pick. But it's not a game I'd bet on or feel totally comfortable with either way.
0: After allowing 14.4 points per game in the first 5 weeks, the Cowboys have given up 26 plus points in 3 of their last 4 games. So, uh it should be a great one. And for the Vikings, it is the first of 3 straight home games and 5 of 6 at home. Their road game over the next 6 is at Detroit. They don't go outside until week 17 at Lambeau Field, followed by Week 18 at Soldier Field. What a way to end the stadium. Your two outdoor cold-weather rivals the final two weeks of the year. The other side of that, six indoor games before you have to do that. Let's flip it over to the Eagles, rebounding from their disappointing home loss to the Commanders on Monday night. They go to Indianapolis to take on the Fighting Jeff Saturdays. Here is Nick Sirianni, coach of the Eagles, regarding his message to the team after they lost their first game of the season on Monday night to the commanders
1: yeah you know messaging to the team you know always is the same each week as far as let's get back to work let's let's fix the mistakes that we had um and let's make sure that we're uh, detailed in our process and and you know Every day, just don't don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about the next day. Same message every week, you know, really. And you find different ways to say that. And just to make sure that everybody understands,
0: we got we to go back to work. We got to get better. We win. We got to get better. We lose. We got to get better. Is the process right? Keep going. Don't let one loss become two. Don't lose sight of the task. And all the cliches that become cliches because they're true. <laughs> That's the thing about cliches. Yeah cliches arise from ultimate fundamental truths that get applied over and over again to the point where people start rolling their eyes. Right. But they're true. Right. But they're true. You got a short week. You're traveling to a place where you probably feel like you can walk through the door and win. Oh, the Colts beat the Raiders. It was the Raiders. It all changes for Jeff Saturday and company when the Eagles roll into town. But, you know, the Colts have that nothing-to-lose mindset. They're going to be dangerous. They're at home. They, they beat the Chiefs there for crying out loud. So, it's going to be all Nick Sirianni can do to get these guys focused. Matt Ryan's back. He's the guy for the rest of the year barring injury. So, uh this is not going to be easy for the Philadelphia Eagles. And they have to forget about what happened on Monday night and not let this thing spiral out of control.
1: Yeah, I, this is it, I I you know, don't don't just look at the record and look at this is not the best matchup in the world for Philadelphia, at least in my opinion. It's not. You know, the the, the Colts like the Colts defense, Mike, we've discussed this. It's real. It's it's it is definitely a top five defense. I mean, we know their offense has been crappy for the most of the year. And they're still a top five defense. That tells you how good they are. Wait, you guys are off the field every three plays, we're back on it, and we're still a top five defense. I mean, then so they're gonna they'll have the right answers and how they play. And as long as DeForest Buckner's healthy in this football game, which I know I don't think he practiced yesterday, and he's like the one guy they can't afford not to have – they have to have him this week. But as long as he can play, I think they can give the Eagles offense some issues. The, I, don't, I don't envision the Eagles just cutting through this Colts defense and exposing them and finding you know some tactical advantage where they carve them up. And then, Mike, the other side of this is this. You know, we saw that the Eagles – Teams are running the ball on them a little bit here. The team running the ball and, uh, and me to the biggest problem with the Philadelphia Eagles is they their pass rush is just, it's it's not special. And you see, you know, the other night, I mean, Heineke on every third down, he he had plenty of time to let people develop downfield and do whatever he wanted. And last week, this is where it's hard not to think Jeff Saturday didn't have an effect on the football game. It was the best game of the year for the offensive line. I know it was the Raiders, to your point. But pass protection wise, it was really good. And then running the football, it's like Jeff Saturday one came in and the offensive line fired off the ball like I hadn't seen them all year. So it's like offensive lineman to offensive lineman talk. He got them going a little bit. And the other thing he did, Mike too, is he kind of like they ran three run plays in the in the game the other day. Just three. There was like three run plays. That's all they did. It was like, wait, we're going to do it, and we're going to do this really well, and we know how to block this against every look, and they ran the ball extremely effective and were dangerous. Matt Ryan didn't hold the ball too long. I I could see them hanging around and giving the the Eagles a little bit of a scare here, no doubt about it. I just think it's one of those games where they kind of match up with a team that, yes, better than them, but the matchup kind of fits them a little bit.
0: Well, and, and again, that raw will, that, and, and hey, I, I, I'm I conflicted because I still think this is not the way you go about hiring coaches. Yeah, I Plucking hear you. former players right. out of the wilderness. But now that it's happened, if Jeff Saturday can come in and kickstart an offensive line that wasn't performing, can speak to them, offensive lineman to offensive lineman, challenge them to do better, and it works. It does change things, and they're 4-5-1. and one. They're in the thick of things in the AFC playoff chase. That's what's amazing to me. They pull. Imagine what the vibe is going to be if they pull this off and beat the Eagles and get to 5-5-1 five, five, after everything that went on 10 days ago. Are you kidding me? I love a great story. Now, what do you root for? I root for a great story, and the Colts become a great story because they're thriving despite the dysfunction that their owner is trying to, not trying, but inadvertently and unwittingly, in imp- forcing on to the the rest of the team. Although this Saturday, in a roundabout way, he may have accidentally discovered plutonium. He could that's what's amazing about this. He
1: could have, you know, and yeah, he might have. And 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 again Jeff Saturday, I think this has been on his radar. And it obviously has been on Jim Ursay's radar. And then listening even to, you know, last week when it all happened and Dan Orlovsky talking a little bit about, you know, all the conversations he's had with Jeff Saturday about this. So, you know, obviously his mind has been here to a degree where he hasn't left the tactical aspect and he's, he is thinking about those type of things. It's still really irregular. It, 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 you know, there's no question about that. But where, you know, this was a special uh, relationship here. Saturday is very smart football mind. He's been around. He understands what it takes. He's got a great relationship with the owner apparently. And has been in his ear and helping him out, and you know that's that's where he gained the trust of Jim Merce. It It's still crazy, but yeah, right now it looks like hey, it wasn't that cr- or not stupid. It might have been crazy, but not stupid. And this guy might know what he's doing a little bit to to
0: kind of get the team on track. We'll see what happens once there's more film of what the Jeff Saturday Colts. Are doing what they did to beat the Raiders, what they'll do against the Eagles, what they do the following week. And this slate of games coming up for the Colts is not easy. And once again, we will see them three times. We'll see them on Monday night football against the Steelers, Sunday night football against the Cowboys, and then another Monday night game against the Chargers, I believe. So we'll get to see how it's going at a point when there's, there's more evidence for other coaches to break down because that's the process that you want to see. Does it work? Is Jeff Saturday going to be there until 3 in the morning? Is he going to be there grinding and grinding and grinding, looking for every edge? All those things we talk about all the time, self-scouting, scouting the other team, those little things that can make a difference, one play here, one play there, at the right time to make the, the margin go your way. We'll see. But so far, so good. They beat the Raiders. Slightly tougher challenge this week when the 8-1 and one Eagles come to town. We'll take a break and continue to look at week 11 with a grab bag next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. I think that, um, you know, first of all, you know, I got to play better. It starts with me. I got to find ways to make
1: some more plays out there for us, Um, more touchdowns, you know, and uh, and it's something that you, you continue to work for every day. You know, you focus on the little things, the fundamentals, the little things of the game. And you know, I've been been down before. Doesn't mean that uh, we can't come out on the other end of it all. Somebody's got to win this game. I mean, it's uh, it's been a lot of one point scores between, uh, or not one point, but one score games between uh, both of the clubs. You know, it's it's. It speaks to, you know, they're a really good football team. I know everybody looks at records, but in the NFL, I believe that everybody's really, really good. And uh, somebody's going to have to make that final play uh, to be able to make it that, you know, who comes out on top.
0: You know, typically Russell Wilson in a press conference is one cliche after another with a very positive, upbeat demeanor. Yesterday, it was one cliche after another with a very flat demeanor that is appropriate to the current state of the team. There was a weird disconnect there as the team was crashing and burning. Russell Wilson was still let's riding. I think he's realized he needs to modify his approach to where the team currently is. And the quote from Nathaniel Hackett, that I don't think he meant it this way, but it becomes this standalone pull-out quote. Somebody's got to win this game. Yes, somebody does have to win this game unless they tie. Two and seven Raiders, three and six Broncos. Take your pick. Which team, Chris, has been the bigger disappointment this season. It's a tough
1: one. I, I'm gonna go with the Broncos and and I don't even really care about the records a whole lot. It's just the look. And specifically wait, we I know we can get into, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, game one management and all that, and that certainly has not, you know, helped his case. And there's been a bad look there. And of course with the play clock stuff early in the year and all that But more than anything, it's just the Russell Wilson. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, again, this is what he's been politicking for to the whole world about the last three years. Get me in a place where it's all about me and I'm going to show you that I'm Mahomes and Josh Allen. What? And they have weapons on offense. I mean, they're, it's not like you look at it and go, well, they just need to help him out and support. Like, he's got plenty to go there. It's, it's been, it's, it's not been average, it's been bad. Like, bad. Where it's like, whoa! They're doing anything they can to survive in spite of him, and that's where that's crazy, and so that to me is the the more disappointing thing than than even the the Raiders, who you know of course have underperformed and blown
0: some games. I agree with you. I think the reality with Russell Wilson is he he wanted something so badly he never stopped to think that that might expose him. Right. He's been exposed this year as kind of a form over substance guy. A little bit of a fugazi, you may say. As as it relates to the idea that it's he's it really wasn't him in Seattle. He was more of an impediment to what the team was trying to do. The wristband thing for me crystallized it. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. And people are like, oh, who cares if he wears a wristband? Well, exactly. Who cares if he wears a wristband? Why the hell didn't he wear? a wristband? What's this resistance to making it easier to get plays communicated to the quarterback when instead of spitting out all those words that to the average person make not a bit of sense and just say 27? like why do you, Why are you worried that someone might not perceive you as being a super genius because you happen to have a wristband? As I said last week, if it's good enough for Tom Brady, it's good enough for every quarterback in the NFL who That's has ever right. played or ever will play the game. So- That, to me, is the most tangible thing we can point to to say, this guy's so obsessed with how he's perceived. And we all know people like that. They're so obsessed with how they're perceived that it undermines what they're trying to do. Instead of focusing on doing the right thing, taking care of all the things you need to do to understand how to properly master your craft, you're spending so much time on the shell that everything under it doesn't get the appropriate attention. And that's what we're seeing exposed in full view for everyone. Russell Wilson form over substance. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but we're, we're coming to that conclusion as we see it play out week after week for the Broncos and the, the Seahawks did a hell of a job of hiding it to the point where the Broncos were willing to give up all that stuff to get him.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you're, you're right. And, and again, I mean, I, I, think the, the Broncos are taking it on the chin and having to, you know, grin, you know, what do we, What do they say? Gr- grin and Barrett? Grin and Barrett, exactly. That's what I was trying to get to. Thank you very much there, friend. Yes, they are. I mean, I'm sure some of those coaches and players want to go, hey, listen, you You want to know what's wrong here? Our quarterback's playing like shit. We're paying him $45 million <laughs> and he's playing horrible. Like, that. that's what's wrong. The defense is legit. You know, again, the offense, Mike, you know me. I mean, I know I've got a little history of Nathaniel Hackett, but if I saw the offense and was like, oh, my gosh, it's so bad, they need to do more, I would say that. I don't hold back in that department. It's, it's, it's him, period. He is the number one issue with the Broncos right now, and that's where it's just disappointing. It's crazy. You know, it's again, I don't even care about the wins or losses. If they had this record and we were still seeing plays in the past game and, you know, oh, they're putting points on the board and he's like, I'd, I'd go, hey, it's a lot of good things. I didn't expect them to just dominate football and, make you know, and win the AFC West this year. But, man, the future is bright. Right now I'm sitting here going, I don't know. Can he ever do it? I'm not sure he can. You know, and then that's I mean, I think it's fair to question
0: that right now real quickly because yeah. I want to get onto some of these other games, yeah, between the Raiders and the Broncos, which team do you think will have more success the rest of the way? Mm. i
1: i'm gonna stay- i'm gonna go with the Raiders here, I am I think the Raiders are gonna kinda pull it together and gut it out and just, hey, Derek Carr, you say what you want. He is tough. Devontae Adams, McDaniels has been through some battles before. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with them. I don't know if either one will be all that pretty, but if he gave me today one got an edge, I'll go Raiders.
0: And again, for the Raiders, I think the issue is the reluctance to buy into the Patriot way. Even if Josh McDaniels isn't selling it as the Patriot way, he has become You can't be with Bill Belichick that long and not have your own natural way be heavily influenced by the Patriot way. We saw it with Matt Patricia. We see it whenever a coach leaves Bill Belichick. It's a culture shock for the team, and I think there's been issues with full and complete buy-in. We'll see if they get buy-in by the end of the year. Rams-Saints. My God, this is like the old days when they were both in the NFC West and they both sucked. Rams three and six, Saints three and seven. Buy or sell? The Saints are making the right call by sticking with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Uh, I mean, I'm going to sell that. I know, I am.
1: I, I I don't. Again, it's 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 just all I've been sold on is Andy we, Andy Dalton. We, you know, he just he protects the ball a little bit better. And all he does is turn the ball over ever since they said that. I I don't understand it. They keep saying it, and I keep watching going, wait, what you're saying is not what I'm watching. What are we talking about here? Let alone, he's not a guy that looks to make big plays or do anything like that. So, I don't know. I'm at the point of the year here where they're 3-7, and and yeah, I think they should have made the change this week to go back to Jameis Winston.
0: And again, use Taysom Hillmore. He had three carries last week. And he had one pass use this guy. We have seen him go off this year when they use him. I'd love to know. There's got to be a book to be written on what the hell has happened with this management of Taysom Hill's career. This guy who's got special talents that never gets utilized the way that he could be or the way that he should be to the detriment of the best interest of the team. I don't get it. Because Andy Dalton, it's not like you're taking the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. You're taking the ball out of Andy Dalton's hands, and you're putting it in the hands of a guy who has proven he can give the team a kick in the ass. I'm not saying make him the starting quarterback, but hell, at this point, why not give it a shot? Nothing else is working. For the Rams, they won't have to worry about a backup this week. Matthew Stafford was a full participant in practice on Wednesday and is on track to return again we don't know how guys are going to progress through the five stages of the post concussion return to play protocol but that's the indication so it will be most likely matthew stafford for the rams at the saints in the superdome on sunday commanders five and five at the texans one seven and one you know earlier when i made the comment about the texans saying i i think they could actually win this week i forgot who they were playing I'll admit that. I'll acknowledge that. I don't okay. care about form over substance. <laughs> okay. I, I, I just like, because I, when I was going through the games yesterday, I I I may be inclined to pick the Texans because I could just see it happening because the Texans have been playing people tough enough that this is one of those planets lineup moments where I could see them catch a team like the Commanders flat-footed who are feeling good about themselves after beating the Eagles on Monday Night Football. So, crystal ball as it relates to the Commanders since Taylor Heineke We'll get the start this week at the Texans. Will Carson Wentz start another game this season for the Commanders? I say no. I, I mean, I, it, to me, it'll have to take
1: like back-to-back horrible performances by a Taylor Heineke, something of that like nature there. Uh, but, but you know, I, I don't envision that happening. You know, Taylor Heineke, again, He's he's not perfect. He's not your franchise guy but he does bring some grit to the table and some playmaking. And, you know, for the most part, he's done a very good job of taking care of the football other than that one interception against the Vikings two weeks ago. So I, I think it'll be him. You know, they got, they got the mojo going. You just don't mess with that. And, you know, he's, they're running the ball a little bit, and he's making a few plays, and he always makes a few little crazy plays here and there. So I say no, Mike. What about you?
0: I think yes, especially if we factor in the possibility of Tannehill Heineke being injured. But there's an opportunity to hit some roadblocks here. After the Texans, they got the Falcons. We talked about this yesterday. They got two, or the day before, two winnable games before they they fly into a window. Right. Giants by Giants, 49ers, Browns, Cowboys. At some point during that stretch to end the season, I think Heineke is going to hit enough of a rough spot that they're going to feel compelled to flip it over to Carson Wentz. I just, I just do. At some point, they're gonna, they're gonna ride this Heineke train until it runs out of coal, and then they'll go back to Carson Wentz. And maybe there's a chance that it won't. Hey, he's three and one as a starter. He's given the team a lift. Hey, great opportunity to, to avoid that is to not go to Houston, and lose to the Texans. Yeah, that would be a significant data point in whether or not Taylor Heineke falls off as the starter of the team. Now I'm talking myself out of thinking Texans can beat them, but I, I really do. This is what this one to me that's kind of. It's pulsating, mm-hmm. upset alert. Yeah. I could see the Texans pulling this one off uh, just because I think the commanders are ripe to get upset after. that. That's going to be the challenge for Ron Rivera. Forget about Monday night. Let's focus on the task at hand. Next one, speaking got the guy who's the master of focusing on the task at hand, Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, coming off of their bye. They've got three difficult games coming up. Six and three Jets, eight and one Vikings, six and three Bills in a 12-day stretch starting Sunday at Foxborough. Scale of one to ten. What's your confidence in Zach Wilson for this game after that three-interception performance against the Patriots and a 22-17 loss in Week 8?
1: Well, I, I, I think my confidence goes up a little bit just because of that performance to where I feel like, again, the fact that he's had to watch that game back all week and look at it and go, man, that was just, like, you know, effing stupid what I was doing out there in that game. Will be good, and then the fact that he's got other games again to where, you know, what is he four and one, five and one as a starter, and he he lived by the credo of don't make a mistake, throw the ball away. Oh, I'm about to get sacked. Let me get out of the pocket and avoid the sack. Throw it away. He was great that way, you know. He's he's been a little bit of a, a game manager that makes like three or four wow throws a game. That's what they're asking of Zach Wilson right now. And I think he gets back to that this week. I, you know, again, it, 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 this is a very close football game for sure. But the Jets are not, like, going to be outclassed by the New England Patriots here. Uh, I, I would expect this game to be close as long as he doesn't throw, you know, two of the dumber interceptions. Or, you know, he th- threw three last time, but two of them were, were really dumb and uh, one you can live with.
0: It has to burn Bill Belichick's ass that he's last place in the AFC East. It has to. And two weeks to get ready for this game. And after they did what they did to him in week eight, and then you look at what they did to the Colts in week nine, that defense has really found its rhythm. It's found its groove. And it's it's forcing the opponents to do dumb things like that right there. So it's it's going to be I I'll, I'll – I'll say seven just because it's the Patriots – I agree with you. There's a certain value in the hair of the dog that bit you and right. getting on the horse that just threw you off. But still, that dog bit you. That horse threw you off. You're going to have to come up with something else if you want to figure out how to beat them. you're going to their place. Yeah, I know. I, I, it's, it's, I'm about a seven I, I, with I still, you. I'm a
1: seven with you as well. I don't think I gave a number. I'm with you there.
0: I believe in the Jets, but I don't necessarily believe in the Jets against the Patriots. The last time the Jets beat the Patriots, week 16 of the 20. 20- 15 season. God. Amazing. Amazing. But uh, but right now, hey, look, the future's bright for the Jets and they've done some great things this year. They were one of the three teams that I looked at in the AFC as saying no chance. Jaguars, Texans, Jets. And the Jets are proving me wrong. The other two are proving me right. So thank you. Thank you for not making me look like an idiot, Jaguars and Texans. But the Jets have really turned it around. It all started with that, that game against the Browns. It was just a different feeling, different vibe, and uh, a level of confidence that just kind of grows and grows and grows. Yeah. All right. Yep. The show continues to grow and grow, although we're not we're not over time yet. I It's it's a rare thing when I look down at my, my little cheat sheet here and I see that the projected end of the segment is actually ahead of where we are right now. By a minute, pretty good. Usually we're over. Let's take a break. We'll try to stay under as we talk about the upcoming Sunday night game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Patrick Mahomes having some high praise for the Chargers quarterback. We'll talk about that and more next here on PFT Live. Patrick Mahomes knows where the talent is in the NFL. It's in his division, among other places. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert said Mahomes, Herbert is a special talent. He throws passes I don't think anyone else can throw in this league, including me. And, you know, he's right. We, we had been wowed by Herbert his first two seasons. Something's fallen off this year, Chris. And the explanation could be as simple as, he took a pretty significant shot week two to the ribs, and he's been dealing with it ever since and it's never fully healed and that's affected his game that would not surprise me because Herbert seems like the type of guy on the scale of Ben Roethlisberger put an ice pack on every joint on my body to Matthew Stafford yeah
1: Herbert's more like that I'm with you yeah
0: Yeah. Uh, if that's the range and Stafford's at the other end of the I you know my entire body could be on fire and I wouldn't say a word to anybody Herbert is on the Matthew Stafford end of the spectrum where this, he could be in constant agony from that rib injury and he'll never say a thing, he'll never miss a snap, he'll just keep going, he won't make an excuse, and and it'll look like he's not performing like we're used to. But there 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 that yeah that's there it is. Well done. That's coach, one I got end sore knees, spectrum. coach, my
1: elbow hurts, coach, well, coach, coach a- I'm gotten a- it out, my shoulder hurts. Coach, coach, I'm getting it out, I've gotten it out.
0: <laughs> he's auditioning to play the role of the stay puffed marshmallow man in the <laughs> reboot of Ghostbusters, but I digress. So, so th- that may be the explanation, but it really is odd because I think you and I both believed it's Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, clearly the top two, with Justin Herbert in that conversation yeah. below them. But now he's kind of faded, and I, th- I think it's simple explanation, Occam's Razor. That rib injury has been bothering him. It's taken away from his performance, and it's hurt the way he's perceived as it relates to the top quarterbacks in the league.
1: I I, I don't disagree with with, with, with a lot of what you're saying. I I don't. and, And yeah, I'm with you. You know that. Mahomes, Allen, all the way. Herbert, Burrow, Lamar Jackson, that next group. That would be to me. I mean, right off the top of my head, I'm probably missing somebody else in there, but you know those are those are five guys that I just feel like you, you put in any offense they can make it work no matter what and oh wait we got injuries here and there oh it doesn't matter they make it work that's where they're they're special right Herbert I, I, Mike when I watch them I don't see anything to say that the ribs are bothering him I'm sure they're not perfect I think there's more it's more about what's around him that's hurting him right now than anything you know one they had some offensive line injuries. So I think there is, you know, a little bit of a, hey, let's maybe get the ball out of his hands quicker. But the offensive line, you know, even with the injuries they've had, is protected really pretty well. It really has. Mike, my biggest issue with them is the offense itself. You know, it, it's a lot of Drew Brees plays, and and to me that that's great. I love Drew Brees plays, but. You're wasting a guy that, like Patrick Mahomes is saying, can throw every pass in the world I can't even make. Now, Mahomes is really cool, and he has no ego, and he's like, like nice to say things like that about people all the time. I mean, or nobody can make any throws. There's no throw on earth that Mahomes can't make. So it's a very nice thing of him to say, but I mean, come on. It, he just, he's being nice to Justin Herbert. I Mahomes mean, can make every throw and, and do it the same way. But that's where they're special. I think that's the point he's trying to make. But this is the problem right here, Mike. I think the injuries at receiver and the offense not calling enough plays down the field is the biggest issue with the, with their team. Like last week here, we saw this. Last week they came out and took some shots down the field early. And I went, ooh, wow, right? I was saying that in the pregame. They got to do this. And to me, they're just not playing to his strength. And I think probably because of the injuries at receiver, that's hurt it a little bit. But I think the offense needs to open up. That's the biggest problem.
0: Or or else there will be a new coach in L.A. next year. Right. And and of all the possible destinations for Sean Payton, how is that not at the top of his list? Exactly. Because you go get one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and you don't need to do – that's the thing. Hey, Joe Lombardi, you don't need to do – the Drew Brees plays with a guy who's six five and can do everything that Justin Herbert can that, do. Remember how right. blown away Drew Brees was when right. he went right. to an offseason practice or training camp or whatever by Justin Herbert? I mean, the guy is a giant, and he's an incredible talent, and they're not getting enough out of him. And if it comes down to it, who's the blame going to fall to? It's not going to fall to him. It's going to fall to the coaching staff. And yes, I really do think there's there's going to be the potential for some turnover there in L. A. If they don't turn it around, and well, they are five and four. Yeah, but it is a very tenuous five and four. It's a five and four fueled by games that they, you know, felt like they were trying to lose that they somehow won.
1: Yeah, you're right. It hasn't been impressive. There hasn't been a lot of like dominant football play. To, to, to your point, there that's one thing. But, you know, you're saying it, right? And even with Sean Payton, even with Drew Brees, right? Hey, I'd like the Drew Brees, that offense. I like Joe Lombardi. He's got answers to a lot of stuff. But, you know, even with that and a guy like Drew Brees, we knew like in his prime, you know, even at the end, he came up. Sean Payton always had a handful of ways to go, wait, you're all over my intermediate short passing game. Here's a play to screw you over. Drew, when I call this, it's time. Let it go. Or then he would bring Taysom Hill in to do it in some sort of, you know, fashion. So that's where, you know, again, I I like the meat and potatoes of the offense, but the meat and potatoes of the offense is having a hard time right now because everybody kind of knows where the ball is going to go. Oh, it's going to go five to eight yards right here. And, you know, because of that, that stuff is – it's covered – A lot right now and they got to get people to back off just to be kind of elementary about the conversation and make teams mike like we always talk about defend the whole field and right now with the chargers you don't really have to defend the run and you don't really have to defend 20 plus yards down the field and that makes things easy on defenses when they play justin herbert
0: um all that said and I saw that the line's five and a half in this one. We'll do our picks coming up in the Joint Mega Picks podcast. But, boy, the Chiefs just have a different vibe. They have a different right? feel. Mm-hmm. They, they, they've got the coaching that takes full advantage of the skills and abilities of Patrick Mahomes. There's no lingering injury issue with Mahomes like we saw two years ago with that toe that just exactly. get getting worse and worse right. and worse. The only issues are he's got a couple of injured receivers. But even then, as long as you got Travis Kelsey and a few other guys, you'll be fine. But Juju Smith-Schuster has that concussion. I'd be very surprised if he plays this week. But, yep. again, every concussion is different. Every player is different. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was out of practice on Wednesday with an illness, too. But, but it's just this revolving door. of guys. It's amazing how many players they have who are happy with whatever role they get. You, you never hear any grumbling. Even last year when Tyreek Hill was grumbling behind the scenes, he knows not to grumble out loud because nobody's grumbling out loud. They all accept the fact that they're part of this broader machine. They get their chance when their chance comes, and they're not going to complain about it. They're just going to wait for it. And that that's the best way to have it. Yeah, I, I think back to the days when – you would have Randy Moss and Chris Carter berating Dante Culpepper for not throwing him the football. Like you just got to let your quarterback make the decisions about who's open and distribute the football. And if you're not getting your number called, don't complain about it. And and the, the Chiefs have found that sweet spot where they have all these guys who can get it done, and there isn't a single one who seems to be upset about the fact that he's not getting the ball all the time.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. It's amazing. You know, one, it's it's Andy Reid. He's amazing. He's just he's set a culture there that's it's guys are always happy to be there. They work hard. They practice hard. But he doesn't micromanage them and their lives and everything. And it's not always, you know, you know, you know, just nailing the hammer down about you know everything in the world. So where, you know, I think it's enjoyable for them to come to work. There's a, there's a, you know, a respect there between coaches and players of yeah, we're going to work hard and take the coaching, and then we'll do that, and the coaches won't, you know, maybe be as dictator ish as uh, they are in some teams or lack of a better way to say it. I hope I'm explaining that the right way. But there is there's just like just think about Kadarius Tony. I mean here we are. You know, no Juju Smith Schuster. Okay, well maybe that's gonna force them to use Kadarius Tony more. They protect their assets of their team. They know passing game's important. They always got tons of receivers and depth there to kind of help them out that way. But, like, to the environment you're talking about, too, yeah, he's with the Giants. The Giants are old school and by the book, and you got to do everything this way because we're the Giants, and that's how we do it. And that's good, right? It's like we talk about with the New England way. That fits some players, but there's players like Kadarius Tony who are a little more renegade-ish and, you know, maybe not as perfect with all the little details in life, and... Kansas City's like, don't worry, come here. We'll, we'll help you fine-tune those details and you'll like it and it won't be, you know, old-school stuffy environment, you know, for lack of a better way to say it. And I think that's Mahomes and Andy Reid who have really done a great job of creating that there.
0: Yeah, Travis Kelsey's line. I don't understand how Kadarius Tony got away from the Giants, and uh, yeah, because he's a special talent. I mean, he's a guy that a lot of teams wanted to get, and he's going to be able to flourish and blossom, and it's happening faster than I think they expected yeah, right. in Kansas City. And what, is it, what does it tell you, when you consider everything you just said yeah. about the environment in Kansas City, that it got so bad, they just kind of threw their hands in the air with Tyreek Hill? The, the team that that will go out of its way to accommodate all personalities and find a way to make it all work, that they just said, we can't do this anymore with Tyreek. We just yeah. got to move on. That that tells you that – and I really do think, I really do think that he, he saw what Cooper Cup was doing. He's like, I can do that too. I want the ball more. Get me the ball more. How's this guy doing all these things? I could be doing these things. I could set the records. And he was on pace to do so up until this past game when the Browns consciously decided to take him away and pick their poison and had everybody else burn them except exactly. the two guys on the outside. Right. right. Uh, he only had forty four receiving yards last week. Now Justin Jefferson's the one on pace to have two thousand receiving yards. It's it amazing. flipped like that. You went from Tyreek Hill on pace to have twenty eighty seven to now Jefferson's on pace to have two thousand and Tyreek Hill Not Mike. Mike, It's all well. Change any given week.
1: Yeah, you're you're right. we'll see where it goes. And then again, hey, Tyree Kill was perfect for what Miami wanted to do and what they needed and what they needed for Tua and what they needed for the Mike McDaniel offense. It wasn't a necessity for Kansas City. I mean, as we can see, the the guy playing quarterback can still throw fifty yard lasers down the field as good as anybody. It doesn't matter who the hell's there. He's amazing right now. He's the MVP of football after Josh Allen. The last few weeks, right now, Patrick Mahomes is the best. Is is the MVP. That would be my pick if we had a vote today. And, Mike, I want to piggyback off with of something you said, that there's a little bit of a different vibe in Kansas City. I agree with you. I agree with you. First off, I mean, Kansas City, I, they're viewed as this finesse team, but it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's finesse with some physicality. You see what they did against the Titans in the second half last week or two weeks ago. That was impressive, their defense. Offensively, too, even in that game. It wasn't, nothing was pretty. They just get it done And they got more things to defend them, in my opinion, this year. There's more screens out to receivers. There's more speed sweeps and reverses to McCall Hardman and Kadarius Toney. And the other thing that puts them over the edge, in my opinion, there actually is a semblance of a run game this year where you can't just disregard it. And this Pacheco kid, he's a sledgehammer. So he's actually given their offense some toughness and an element where I do think teams, even last week, Jacksonville was like, damn, he's, he's running up the middle for 10 and 12 yards on us. We, we actually got to play run defense here. We can't just like play the big play pass defense the whole time. And that's where they're a little different. And, yeah, Kansas City seems like they got a mojo going about them right now that is, uh, I mean, we always know it's special, but it seems a little extra special to me.
0: Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, feats of strength from the 10th week of the NFL regular season. We'll do that next here on this Thursday edition of PFT Live.
1: But what's that drawing? If you won athlete of the week, it was a really big deal in New Jersey. The Bergen Records, the biggest local newspaper up there. And you
0: go into their building and they draw a picture of you. That picture has some very real aha take on me vibes to it i like i, I it. like how we were very careful not to infringe on any copyrights or have to pay anyone it, it's
1: like you got
0: the we found you got the, the stock picture. music that sounds a right, little like right. take on me but it's really not but it's close enough that you get the point i like that very well done L- less money that comes out of the budget they use to pay us
1: no, I, I, it, it was very well done. I knew the song they were going for, even though I knew that wasn't the song. And,
0: uh, yeah, I, I mean,
1: what, is, what does it cost? Seriously, like, what does it cost to have a song like that play on a show for 20, 30 seconds? Like, legitimately, I, I have no idea. Like, what, if you did that, right,
0: what What do you think? Do you have any cl- clue? I have I have no idea. It's in the thousands. I would think between 20 and 50,000. Wow, okay, and, that and much, And the thing huh? is, I think what happens is because I think a lawsuit was filed not long ago about this because you don't necessarily like when it's showcased on a nationally televised football game, you don't necessarily get the permission or pay for it. You just use it and some artists and record companies let it go and others will show up with an invoice. So Mm. uh, yeah. So anyway, Uh, we we don't want to get anybody in any trouble and we don't want to have the Pool of resources devoted to our yeah, It's not our money. Let's just play it. Let's play the music. Uh-huh. Aha. <laughs> we don't want to pay. Aha. Uh-huh for i wonder what kind of what kind of money that song generates 40 years later like i and i have no idea how any that works when they play it on the radio or whatever i don't think a lot of people are downloading it on their devices but regardless gosh it's it's
1: still a great it's still a great song it really is it's a it's a classic it really is
0: groundbreaking video but when you see some of the videos that whole phenomenon of videos it lasted longer than the cb radio because like I was high school age, 18, 19, 20-ish. It was always a big deal. You wanted to see the video. And when you see some of them now, it's like, these were awful. Like, people like these. These were horrible.
1: There wasn't a lot of of options.
0: That one one was groundbreaking, though, with the combination of the animation and the live action. And, uh, again, our standards were lower back in the 80s. But that was a pretty good one. All right. Um, Standards are high as they always are, for coming up with the ultimate matchups in a given week of football games. Many of ours have been put in to prepare for this segment, and we do it now with the uh, Thursday matchup draft for Week 11. What do you have? Well, I, I'm going to go right to
1: you know your team up there, the purple people eaters up there. Uh, ooh, that I mean, specifically just the Vikings run game versus the Cowboys run defense. I mean, that to me is... You know, the story of the game in a lot of ways. Dallas, we know you can run the ball on them. You know One of the things I talked about on the podcast to reemphasize the issues Dallas has there and the resources they have to put into stopping the run. I mean, Dallas, you go across their defensive line. It's The two defensive ends, it's 265 pounds, it's 255 pounds. One of the defensive tackles is 280 pounds, and then they have one 300 pounder as far as that shade nose tackle. It's just not big enough this day and age in the NFL. So that's an issue, and we're going to see. Like The Vikings are not a great running team, but they're a dangerous running team. I honestly don't know if you guys run the ball enough in some some ways, where I get through games and go, damn, I I think they could have ran the ball a little bit more and and been more effective. Um, But to me, that will be the key of the game, because if you gash them a few times, that Cowboys team, they're going to have to get everybody at the line of scrimmage, and that could lead to Justin Jefferson with a lot of favorable looks downfield.
0: You know, I'm trying to find games we haven't already talked about, but we've done a nice job of staying on track today and talking about a lot of the games in Week 11. I'm going to go to Foxborough. Bill Belichick versus Zach Wilson. What will be done to confuse, Mm -hmm. confound, defy, and just screw up a guy that they intercepted three times? What will they do differently? What will they be doing by way of just trying to stay one step ahead of his brain as he still tries to figure out this game and have it start to slow down? Belichick had two weeks to get ready. He'll have something cooked up to confuse Zach Wilson yeah
1: I, I I this is definitely I mean the thing I look at we know I mean Zach Wilson you know is he gonna fall in the trap is he gonna be smart with the football you know or is he just gonna do what he's done during the games they've won and to run the ball you know high percentage passes and then every now and then a chance comes to throw a laser and, and he's capitalized on that so you know, that that'll uh that'll be interesting to see, certainly. Uh I, I think the uh the next one I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to Monday Night Football here. Vance Joseph versus Shanahan. You know, that that to me, Vance Joseph is shown the ability to give Shanahan some problems. He's one of the few defensive coordinators in football that seems to have a clue and how to stop all the stuff Shanahan does at times. And I love you know, last year the Arizona Cardinals went two and zero. Against the the 49ers. And one of those games was with Colt McCoy at quarterback. So I look at that chess match there where it's a good Arizona defense. They're creative. They don't have great run stoppers. That's a little worrisome, but he's creative on that side of the ball.
0: You know, I always look for these little tentacles that may not be obvious. And I've been wrestling with the Commanders Texans game because I believe the Texans could upset the Commanders coming off of that big win over the Eagles. But you know what I remembered? You know what I remember? Lovey Smith fired Ron Rivera in Chicago. Whoa. Rivera was the defensive coordinator of the Bears, the team he played for, and Lovey Smith fired him at a time when Ron Rivera had that, that vibe of a potential head coach. Ron Rivera isn't going to forget about that. So Rivera versus Lovey Smith, that adds some spice to a game that you otherwise look at and say, who cares? That's a reason to care about that game. All right, let's take a break. We'll do round three of the matchup draft when PFT Live continues right after this. Matchup draft, week eleven, round three. Chris, you're up. All right. I'm going to uh
1: Eagles Colts here. And specifically the Eagles run defense versus the, the new Jeff Saturday offensive line rushing attack against the Colts. I think the Colts can hang around in this game. You know, they were short passes, you know, RPOs. Their defense, as we've discussed already in the show, is very good. I have a hard time thinking that Philadelphia is going to just overpower them or trick them anyway, and if the Colts can run the ball on a defense that we're seeing you can run on, I think that game could be uncomfortably close for the Philadelphia Eagles, so I'm going to be interested to see that. They run the ball a little bit. It will be uncomfortably close.
0: Matt Ryan, Philly guy, has had some big games against the Eagles in the past, and now he's back. He's resurrected as the starter. I'll go to tonight's game, the point we made to start the show. Let's just finish it there. It's got some symmetry to it. The Packers running game against the Titans defense because this Packers running game rejuvenized. Uh, I knew I was going to say that. Rejuvenated, energized. Rejuvenized is a word that I'm going to start using all the time. It's a cynicism. I I like it. I I think it kind of works. Rejuvenized the Green Bay offense. I've been hanging around you way too much. That was (laughs) mind-blowing. The rejuvenized Green Bay offense is going to run into a Titans defense tonight that is not going to let them do what they did to the Cowboys. Yep. Man,
1: I'm going to be rejuvenized to do the podcast with you later.
0: We'll be back in an hour or so to do it. Y'all will see some sometime see after yeah. that. Goodbye. See you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why
1: bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well.